It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 476 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week is the return of a favorite here at the podcast, and that's Ed Jowett from Shades of Vengeance. He and his group are what I think a lot of us would like to be when we grow up, a very successful company telling stories in a variety of formats. He's actually got a few Kickstarters going on at this time, which we'll talk about. And of course, I like to focus on the comic, which we do a lot, but we still discuss the others as well. It always has tons of excellent information, including how they manage all these Kickstarters and their projects. So please be sure to pay attention because you're going to learn a lot listening to Ed, as I always do. There's a lot to get to in this episode. So let's get on with the show. Hi everyone, Ed here from SOV Comics. We have always worked to bring stories to life in a way that inspires. And that means a huge variety of stories across our various universes with diverse groups of characters. With a combined four decades of experience in storytelling and characterization, our creative team has published a huge number of different comics. This campaign is about a brand new arc, Disarmed. This story is about three mech pilots who are stationed together on a backwater planet. When something disastrous happens, two of them end up at each other's throats, and the third goes missing. This 24-page comic is the first in a story of friendship, betrayal, mech battles, and revenge that you don't want to miss. Join us and help this dream become a reality. It's great to welcome back to the podcast, Ed Jowett from Shades of Vengeance, who is one busy guy, <laughs> got lots and lots of things going on. In fact, uh, you were just telling me before we started to record, you've got, what, three Kickstarters going on right now? Actually, as of recording, it's only two, but we have just finished up two others, uh, and we've got another one launching on Monday. So by the time anyone's listening to this, that's a week or two ago, but um, yeah, We've got a bit of a confluence at this at this moment, yeah. Which is cool. I mean, you know, I, I've never seen anybody do these many Kickstarters. Uh, you know, one of the things Kickstarter tells you is that you have to deliver your stuff before you can move on to other stuff. But obviously, you guys have been doing so much and getting so much done <laughs> that, that they, you could go ahead and do that at this point, multiple Kickstarters. So... The way it works, actually, you're dead right. Uh, Kickstarter does not allow you to run multiple Kickstarters and and usually does not allow you to run another Kickstarter before the previous one's been delivered. And the way that we deal with that as a team, as Shades of Vengeance, is actually a different person is responsible for each Kickstarter. So although I can talk about all of them and I'm kind of the creative director of the company, you know, there's there's, there's Leo who deals with the audio, uh, with, with Zulian. There is uh, John, who primarily, obviously you've spoken to before, uh, he primarily deals with the comics, and I primarily deal with the role-playing games. So with that, that kind of divided responsibility, it's effectively like three different people are doing these different Kickstarters. 
Okay, well, that's good. But even though it's all still under Shades of Vengeance, it, it's still... Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, different people are responsible for it um, and making sure that it happens. And they're broadly... Indep- well, they're completely independent of each other. So the time that I spend on you know, an audio project won't affect the role-playing game project in any significant way. Wow, wow, well, in case somebody hasn't heard you before, why don't you talk about what Shades of Vengeance is, just to get everybody up to speed. So Shades of Vengeance, it's kind of a complicated thing to explain. The broad concept began as creating tabletop role-playing games. But really what we're all about is creating universes. So while the tabletop role-playing games may provide you a door into that universe, I think the comics give you a window into that universe and and stories that are taking place perhaps around the games that you're playing as a role-playing game. And the audio gives you a different window into that universe or possibly, you know, a a, a shared wall in a semi-detached house um, so you can hear through <laughs> so you can hear through the wall. So really it's it's about expressing those universes in whatever way seems the best way of doing that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's comics, and sometimes it's a role-playing game, and sometimes it's an audio drama, and sometimes it's a novel, and sometimes it's uh, you know various other other bits and pieces. We've got an art book for Era the Consortium, which uh, was offered for the first time with one of our audio dramas recently. We aren't we aren't close to any media, basically. Any type of expression of the universe is on the table if we can figure out a way to make it happen. Wow. That's really great for a creative process. I mean, you're telling the story in the medium that it is best for it. So that's great. Yeah, it, it really is a tremendous opportunity to express these universes. And whether you are, you know, whether, whether you are experienced in that kind of media or not, we have a lot of people who are. So I knew nothing about comics when I first started with John. Not really. I mean, I'd read some, obviously, and I was enough of a fan to want to do it. But in terms of actually writing them or the way in which to do it or directing art for them or what panels should look like, I knew absolutely nothing before I started with John. And now we are, you know, seven years later, eight years later, goodness, just about that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we, we, we've published over a dozen comics. Um, we've got another one on Kickstarter now, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. And I have learned so much about the way in which to write comics that I've actually instructed other people in how to write comics based on not only obviously what John taught me, but also my own experience from, from doing it. How's John doing these days, by the way, tell him hi for me, if you would. Um, he still listens. Uh, he still catches okay. every every time. Okay. He, he catches uh, he catches this every time I'm on. I know for sure. I, I can't say beyond that, but I'm I'm sure he wouldn't just catch the ones that I'm on by chance, you know. Um, but no. Uh, uh, so I'm sure you just told him hi. But um, he's he's doing great. And uh, disarmed is was very much his brainchild. Uh, he wrote it, and I I did a little bit of editing on it. Um. Uh, which is I'm credited as an editor, basically, not as not as a writer on this. This is John, um, and uh, yeah, no, Disarmed was very much his brainchild. It's it's a story that he wanted to write, 
Um, I contributed a tiny bit to it, but for the most part, uh, this is all him. So he's he's doing really well, and and we're loving continuing to produce comics. Um, yeah, great, great. Okay, now you've introduced Disarmed. Is Disarmed is one of the Kickstarters when this post it, it's going on? Is that what's going happening with this? Yeah, I'd say that's probably uh, this one's probably the major reason I came to talk to you. I mean, the, the, you, we can talk about the other stuff as well, but um, you know, I, I really think Disarmed is one of those that that will be right up your alley. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Because um, you've talked a lot of times, you know, you you like the fact that we have female protagonists. Well, there's a, you know, there are there are, I guess, two female protagonists within this. Although there is a third character as well. Um, uh, th- there are a lot of um, sort of a, a lot of very complicated things going on, and you're very much thrust into the middle of it. Which again is something that you've you've commented about our our comics in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent you over um, uh, sort of the, the preliminaries for this, uh, the, the yes. first 10 pages, I think. Um, yes. And presumably you had a quick look through those. But I did, yes. You'll probably know that you, it sort of it kicks off with, yeah, these, these people are fighting, and it's clear that someone's died. Mm-hmm. But it's not very clear why they're fighting or exactly what happened. And it's sort of, it's, it's one of those stories that follows two streams of time, one at the present and one in the past. And what happens is throughout the issue, the story gets gradually built up. And it's, it's, I should say it's the first in a, what we hope will be a series of issues. So it is not a case of, oh, you can just read this one comic and the whole story will become clear. You'll be a lot, a lot more clear on exactly what's going on and what happened, but you certainly won't have the whole story by the end of this issue. Because mm-hmm. it's a fascinating story, because you're right, I love females, uh, particularly strong female characters, because uh, I don't think that's a, an explored area for comics. I think men we have done for decades and decades, but now it's nice to see like what you're doing with the women. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, because with guys, I have a fair idea what guys are going to do at this point. But your, your women characters particularly are really fascinating to me, and I found Disarmed the same way. I don't know what they're going to do. And because I don't understand necessarily the female psyche as much as I well as well as I should. But the thing of it is, is that to see what they do and to see the – they're not Lois Lane. That That's one of my favorite things is they are very much their own characters and their own people. And I love the fact that that is who these people are and what they're up to. And I really, I, I saw about, I think, eight, ten pages. Ten of pages, it. I think. Yes. And I was right away pulled into it. I mean, it starts right off with the, you, you talk about that dropping in the middle of the story. It's exactly how it starts out there. And there's a fight going on amongst the, uh, some of the characters. And I immediately was like, what the, what's going on? I got to know what's happening here. And then. It, it shifts to a little bit more explanation as to what's going on. Do you want to talk about what the story is, the basic storyline is in Disarm? I think I can talk a little bit about it. Yeah, obviously I can't give too much away, but I think right. I can give you a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we drop into um, sort of, there are, there are two characters. Uh, there's Hunter and there's Turner. Um, and they are mech pilots, uh, uh, disarm pilots. That uh, it's uh, it's a thing that exists in the era of the consortium universe. Um, it's just kind of a mech about twice the height of a person, um, very strong. Um, and Hunter is an engineer, 
Um, she was primarily stationed on this backwater planet, which we kind of explore in the past, um, because she was the engineer who maintained these these mech suits. Right. And then Turner and Sarge, they're both very clearly warriors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Sarge, very much more experienced than, than Turner is, but... Um, but but Turner is is you know this um this this very tough individual who and she actually says to Hunter at one point look I'm I'm you know I'm sorry I'm the fighter you're an engineer you don't stand a chance in this fight back down yeah I saw that right? yeah that was cool mm-hmm. um and and then at that point what happens is Hunter has concealed weaponry on her mech suit which she uses to attack Turner unexpectedly um and and what what that fight is about is about sort of the 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 battle of training versus ingenuity in the situation mm-hmm. right and and that's really what those two what their fight is really all about in terms of the way in which the fight goes now the reason they're fighting um there there are there are a few things that are mentioned but what happened is an event that I can't can't describe, I'm sorry, um, happened, and Sarge either went missing or died, and it's a it's a little bit unclear within this comic exactly what happened to her, but she's certainly not around. Mm-hmm. And as a result, Hunter ends up blaming Turner for this situation. Mm-hmm. There's also a reference to someone who looked like you dying which is a that's actually that's a cool forward and and you know that's something that's going to be realized in a later issue and john and i spoke a lot about whether we should really include that and in the end we decided that that kind of thing is the is the kind of thing that shows that this story is bigger than this issue Mm -hmm. right um it's it's not just at the end of this issue it's not just oh the story ends or, or even the story doesn't end, but it's the end of the issue. It's this story is taking place. It's a microcosm of huge universe, and you're just seeing this snippet in time, this one moment. Mm-hmm. Well, see what, what well, uh, people always get on me because I don't give the vital statistics soon enough. Uh, when does this Kickstarter end? Uh, do, uh, at this point, do you know? Uh, yes, this Kickstarter ends on the 27th of March. That's a Saturday at 9 p.m. UTC, GMT. Um, so that's about 4 p.m. Eastern, if I'm counting right. Right, right. Okay. Now, I, I, I love the female characters. And I, I, I know I keep bringing that up, but I just adore interesting female characters because I learn and I, and, and I, and I'm growing with them and I'm, it's interesting how different they are from each other. And yet how human they are, very real uh, characters to me, which I, I just, I loved about that. The mech thing was really interesting to me too, because I haven't seen that in your stuff, in your comics before. Is that, this, I think is the first time that I've seen the, the, the mech in the comics, unless I'm mistaken about that. So the mech has appeared in one other comic, but in fairness, it was a very brief appearance and I would understand why you missed it because it was our very, very first comic, the Lost stand of stiletto unit. Okay. And it appears towards the end of that comic. Um, very briefly, um, you, you kind of have to be looking out for it to realize that that's what it is. Okay. Um, that said, I think most people do know 
Uh, most people who know the the role playing game know that you know what a disarm is and 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 why it exists and what it means in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, because it it really is kind of one of those big guns that the that the GM can bring out when they want something a little more little more tough to deal with than your average single person. Hmm. Okay. So uh, uh, how uh, how long have they existed in the in the era universe? Actually, they're, they're a very long time indeed. Um, so before Era of the Consortium was a was a written role playing game, there was actually a um, a, a, a campaign that I ran that was really the basis for the for starting the rulebook and everything. Hmm. And um, Disarm's actually featured in that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the characters actually wrestled with one and managed to defeat it despite not being in a disarm. You know, they just rolled extremely well on that occasion and they managed to rip it open. Hmm. Okay. Um, so actually they've been around for, for sort of seven, eight years. Um, I think that one of the things, and, and one of the things people have commented about the art style of this is it, it feels a little bit eighties anime. Yes. Um, which is exactly what John wanted. That's exactly what he wanted to go for because for him, that's kind of the golden age of, of mech as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wanted to go for that feeling because, you know, we knew that this would be quite mech combat heavy. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think that as a result, sort of the, the reality of what a disarm does in this comic is maybe slightly different from my very original concept of them, you know, going, going right the way back, you know, we've kind of enhanced what they can do. Yes they could punch things. Yes, they they were extremely strong. I think they're probably more agile in this comic than I'd initially imagined. Hmm. Um, but I think that in general, it's it's come out very nicely indeed with the, you know, this, this whole aesthetic that we've got going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's really good. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Of course, I like the, the blue being my favorite color. I like the bluish, greenish one. The, the, that uh, Hunter. That's, that's Hunter's yeah. disarm. Yeah, disarm. that's the one I like the best. Uh, but I got to talk about you know the design of the, the mechas and stuff like that. Who did the, the visual design work for, for those characters as well as the humans? So for the humans, uh, the answer is uh, Leonardo Ardilla, who did the artwork for the entire thing. Um, we gave him a rough indication. I believe in this case, we gave him the heights of the characters and what color their hair was and very little else. Okay. <laughs> and, and literally he, he came up with, uh, well, I mean, Hunter's a bit emotional. So John decided, okay, well, she can be a redhead then. Um, you know, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's kind of that, that signal that, you know, this character is going to be a little bit more emotional and, and, uh, you know, a bit hot headed. You know, it's sort of that that sort of subconscious signal that everyone knows, and, and it would apply to a bloke as well, in my opinion. I, I don't think that's a that's a, a woman thing at all necessarily, right? Um, and and you know, uh, apart from that, uh, he very much did the the human side of it, and also what they look like inside the disarms as well. So, uh, you know, there, there are several several shots of sort of their heads inside, and that was never really given to him as a reference. He very much came up with that himself in terms of the design. Wow. Now, in terms of the design of the disarms, that actually goes right the way back to the very early days of the role-playing game, um, where they were designed by Minji Kim, um, who was one of my initial um, 
concept artists, and then they were built. That design was built on by Wesley Lafleur, who uh, did a lot of sort of the enhanced concepts, uh, building on those initial ideas. Um, and you know, but between them, they came up with what a disarm actually looks like. Um, and and I passed that on to Leonardo, and obviously, he had his own, I guess, style of rendering that, which maybe is not exactly identical, but given that we're talking about one snippet within sort of a 200-year period where these things have existed, I'm sure their design varied a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I don't feel like it's 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 any kind of a problem in terms of universe integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was happy to let him sort of do his thing and and show what he what he wanted to show within the uh, uh with within the uh the story great great well I, I like the design of them i think one of them carries a hammer and that's right rockets on the side of it so it when it hits it hits harder obviously with uh, that, yeah so. I, I imagine so we don't actually get to see that one hugely in action um because that's actually sarge's one okay so we do get to see it a couple of times um it does turn up but um, we don't get to see it doing quite as much action as it does on the front cover, I'm sad to say. Not in this issue. That's, that's still to come. Because, again, you know, exactly what happened to Sarge is not covered within this issue. That's, mm. that's a story that's yet to be told within the arc. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Now, this still takes place, though, in the Era universe as far as, even though it looks a little more anime, it still is part of the whole Era universe thing. Absolutely, it's it's part of the era of the consortium um, uh, con- continuity, um, just like the Bug War, which I've spoken to you about before, or um, Last Stand of the Letter Unit, or Counting Down from One, or any of those. Um, this is just obviously it's a slightly different art style. We like to vary our art style, you know. I mean, you've seen that uh, with our various comics and and so on. Uh, you know, we lo- we like to have a little bit of variety around the art style, but. Um, you know, I, I think that this is this is a really nice way of telling this story. Um, it was a great opportunity to get this artist involved again um, because he had done artwork for one of the pocket role-playing games, one of the short ones, uh, Era Balam, uh, which is also a sci-fi. Uh, it's another sci-fi game, but um, with a slightly different focus to Era the Consortium. So it was really, really nice to get him involved and say, hey, you know what? We think your art style really fits this. Let's go ahead and, and get you involved and get you get you working on on Disarmed. Oh, cool! It's really an interesting book. It's uh, fa- the f- the pages that I saw really sold me on the whole concept and getting in to see the characters and what's happening and what's going on and the mysteries that are involved. I'm really sold on the whole thing and I want to see it. Which leads me to ask. How, you you talked about the, the you wanted this to be a multi issue story if 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 this gets the way you want it to be, how many issues will be in Disarmed? So that's an interesting question because I'm not sure there's, there is one answer to that. Okay. Um, I, I think that the answer is going to be at least five. Okay. But I think there's also a lot of potential for things beyond that. So while, you know, you know, I, I think my ideal would be, I think we need five issues to tell the story, this arc that we're currently working on that begins and should end with the battle on Aron, where, you know, they're, they're together. 
But one of the concepts that we were working on, and and part of that five-issue arc, will actually be exploring more worlds in the consortium. You know, so the the idea is that that Hunter will actually follow Turner around the consortium, I guess hunting, (laughs) I guess hunting her. Um, hunting her down, um, and and it's only in this this battle where we begin at the beginning of the first issue, she's finally sort of properly caught up with her. But what what we do is we start to see Hunter adapting to the situation and building these enhancements to her disarm that we sort of get to see within the combat. Okay, very cool, very cool. Because I'm I'm fascinated to see, and I got one more question about disarmed is. As far as like time frame goes, is this a current time or is it a slightly future? Is it something we don't need to know the timeline where it fits in the time? How would uh, what should we know about when this is taking place? Right. So um, to to sort of put things in perspective with all the era the consortium comics is probably the easiest place to start with answering that. So the earliest of the era the consortium comics is the main body of Counting Down from One. Okay, so they all arrive back in time at the very beginning of the consortium when the colony ships just crashed and they're turning it into a, uh, into a colony. Okay, so that's that main body of Counting Down from One, and I'll come back to why I said that uh, in a minute, is the very earliest part of the consortium. You then have to fast forward almost 200 years to get to the Bug War trilogy. Okay. Um, now, all three of those issues are only a few months apart, so they're all within a year of each other. Um, and, and that Blood War trilogy is, is, is kind of the 200 years later. You then have to go forward another 250 years to get to the last stand of Stiletto Unit, which I mentioned earlier. Right. Um, where, you know, that, 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 it's a short comic, it's only 12 pages, and um, it just covers the, you know, this, this particular unit which were the inspiration for Era the Consortium at the end of the day. Okay. Now then, if you want to, from where the time travelers in Counting Down from 1 came from, you you find out in the first page that it's time travel, so I'm not really giving spoilers. Um, They actually came from another 500 years beyond that into the future. So it's a very long timescale overall. It's almost 1,000 years. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, this happens shortly after the last stand of Stiletto Unit. So it's about two or three years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of the very far future hasn't been properly explored yet. So really, this is one of the furthest forward stories that there is in the in the consortium. Interesting. Okay. So this is kind of moving forward as far as other stories go. So that, that's a cool thing. I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes. Okay. Uh, we don't know how many issues are going to be in this. It's going to depend on how the story progresses. Um, I think I, th- I think that five is where I would like to be. Like, if we got to five issues mm-hmm. and we had to stop, I would be satisfied that we finished Disarmed. Like, we finished the story of it. Okay. I think that there is almost endless potential because by the time you step out into the wider consortium, there's really no limit to how many stories you can tell. Okay, so this is basically the, the the farthest of the future so far in era of the consortium. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's sort of four four nine four fifty CE for anyone who's familiar with the universe. Yeah, that's that's kind of the end of where I've mapped it in public so far. 
I've obviously got a lot more planned and a lot more things that are going on and, and, and various other things. And we talked previously about A Titan's Rise, the audio drama, of course. Right. And that actually, the, the, the first half of it um, happens before this, some time before this. But the last part of it actually goes about a year or two after this ends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like the, when, when that second season comes out, you know, we'll, we'll slightly overlap beyond the end of, of this. Oh, cool. Okay, so something to look forward to with that. I hope so. Uh, off, sometimes you put together audio for the visual books. Are you considering doing this as an audio drama, Disarmed? So, Disarmed, uh, I, I'm not going to rule anything out at all uh, on that. I think it is absolutely doable. I think it could be really good. I may even consider a motion comic. Right now, we kind of need to get the... We need to get the story established. We need to get you know get people engaged in in the story, and then find out whether it's popular enough that we can actually do that. Because obviously there is a there is a threshold of popularity that we need to be able to do that. Okay, um, and- but I would I would definitely not rule it out, and I think that it would be very interesting to do. Okay, so if you like strong female characters like I do, if you enjoy the mech uh, business, the anime sort of feel and stuff like that, this is a, a book that you want to support. And wait until this interview is over, but get out to Kickstarter and support this because I think Disarmed is going to be something you're going to enjoy because I really enjoy it. I think it's just a great, great story. Lots of – so much potential and going on. I do like the slow unfolding of the story, the trying to figure out what's going on. It kind of keeps me engaged. I like that rather than, you know, hitting me with everything in the front and then I know everything that's going to go forward. I like sorting out this kind of story. So that's one of the things I, I like about your storytelling. And I think it really shows very strongly in this one. You, you guys have perfected this and with this book. Yeah. I mean, as I said, I, I, I don't want to sit here and take all the credit. I want to be very clear. You know, John wrote this, you know, I sat down, I edited, I worked with him a little bit on the writing of it, but for the most part, this was his baby. Um, Leonardo went and picked this up and did an amazing job with the artwork. Uh, Keith then went ahead and, and dealt with the lettering. And then I dealt with the, I sort of did some tweaks on the lettering. Um, I'm getting a little more involved in the lettering on our comics these days. Um, John used to do it. Uh, John's finding his time a little more limited now. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I've, I've stepped in and, and, and Keith draws, goes ahead and, and does the, does the sort of the initial pass, as it were, gets all the word balloons there and puts all the text that we had in the script in them. And then I go through and change 99% of it because I'm not entirely happy. <laughs> well, it's terrific storytelling. It just is. It's, it's gripping. Uh, as I go along, I, I, just these few pages have got me involved in the story really tremendously. And I want to know what's going to happen, which, of course, makes me ask, when will the whole book be ready? When will it come out? So it's actually already finished. Um, sort of in a in a in a limited way. Um, I've got a little more lettering tweaking to do. Now we didn't get to speak about the project that I've just finished, but it's worth mentioning it in passing. Um, I did an anthology comic, uh, which people, you know, indie creators, I invited them to submit to. Mm-hmm. Um, John actually came to me and said, "Hey, we should put a few pages from Disarmed in there." So the ten pages that you've read from Disarmed have actually been available to those people who backed that project. Cool. Um, so as a result, those 10 pages are done because that project, um, is actually going out very shortly as of recording. It'll certainly be out by the time this, you know, anyone is listening to this. 
So, um, you know, those 10 pages had to be done because John said, hey, I'd, I'd really like to submit Disarmed. I'm really proud of it. I think it's really good. I want to put it in there. So we've gone ahead and put that in there. Um, and then I've just got the remaining sort of 12 pages to deal with. And I'm pretty sure I could do that. Like what I need to do, I'm pretty sure I could do it within a weekend or so. Uh, just a little bit of tweaking. I don't like that speech bubble. I want that slightly changed or whatever. Um, you know, I think that location is slightly wrong. It's one of those things that's very subjective, I think. And I don't want to belittle Keith in any way, but he and I have very slightly different visions for how it should look or how it should sound or whether maybe, you know, I might look at a speech bubble and go, okay, well, Keith took what was on the script and John and I, when we wrote it, we were a bit verbose and we'd just like to cut that down to a few words rather than 20 words, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, certainly John and I are on the verbose side when we write the script. Um, and, and, you know, I, I mean, I think that that's a very positive thing for one of the writers to then go through and go, you know what, what we wrote doesn't work. We need to rewrite it. And I've got enough sort of experience with lettering and, and, and so on from the various stuff I've done to be able to kind of modify it a bit. We talked at length about lettering for Violet number two, didn't we? Um, yes, we with did. The, yeah. um, uh, with the, the, uh, the shape of the, st- uh, the arrows. Right. For the word balloons. Right. Um, and that was, you know, that was just one of the things that I think, you know, that I can maybe bring to the lettering that someone who's just a separate letterer maybe can't do because they just don't know. Right. Um, and I think that's the power of having someone involved in the lettering. You know, obviously, as a writer, you have to learn skills and you have to understand the, you know, the location of word balloons matters and the size of them matters and so on. Um, but I really think that, you know, having that ability to add to, okay, this is the content and here's, here's the stuff that no one could know if they hadn't written it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a really powerful thing to be able to include. So I'm, you know, I'm really proud that I was able to, to sort of get involved and, and help. Um, previously, of course, John would have done that and and he did very much so in our comics, um, when he was doing the lettering, because again, he was very involved in the writing and the dialogue editing um, in each case. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Well, it's working well. I mean, it's uh, extremely interesting and very uh, sharply done. And I just think that uh, anybody who enjoys comics like I do is going to really enjoy this. And, you know, even if it's their first experience or exposure to it, I would say that this is a good place to start. It's very strongly done. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think, I, it is worth saying, I don't think you need any kind of experience with the era of the Consortium universe to enjoy this book. I, I'm, I'm not sure that's actually what you meant when you said, you know, first yes. exposure to it, um, yes. or if you meant first exposure to comics in general. But I, I would like to think, um, I remember uh, John quoted to me once, Stanley once said, um, every comic book is someone's first comic book. Right. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'd like to think that if someone were to pick this up and read it, they, they could understand what was happening and would be drawn into the story just as you with your massive experience in comics have been. <laughs> I, I would say extended rather than massive, <laughs> but anyway, that, that, that's in here there. This is, it's called disarmed. Be sure to support it out on Kickstarter. It, is it, it's under shades of vengeance, right? Uh, it is under SOV comics. SOV comics. Okay. So that's how to find it. Okay, now, um, and I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll include the link in the notes, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Now let let's get on to the other ones. You sent me a uh, an audio file to listen I to, did. I which did. I I really enjoyed. And this is a the audio version of a comic, right? 
It is, mm-hmm. and you may have even read the comic. Uh, um, I did we so. talk a yeah. long time ago, maybe, about uh, the Empowered Volume 1 anthology? Yes. Yeah, which included did. Lacuna, Blue Shift, and Violet. Right. And this is, as you say, it is the audio dramatization of the Lacuna comic. Right. And this is a very, very special project for me for a variety of reasons. When I, I may have told the story before, but for anyone who hasn't heard it, when we initially decided that we were going to do a little bit of audio dramatization of comics, uh, we started by doing Counting Down from One, uh, which I mentioned earlier. And actually, ironically, that's going to be the last one to be finished because uh, it seemed to be a bit of an editor killer. Um, it, it's, a, it's a very complicated story, and to get it right is, is certainly very challenging. Now, with with that, we reached out to the internet. We offered people at MCM Comic Con uh, back when we were allowed to have in-person conventions. Mm -hmm. And we said, hey, if you'd like to be part of this, go ahead and contact us and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you. And we had so many applicants. uh, It was 25 in the end. Hmm. Um, And not including the ones because we did say, look, we'd like you to be in London. We'd like to record in person. You know, we're relatively new to this and we'd like, we'd like to have that sort of directorial control and so on. Um, and, and you know, that, that 25 is disregarding the people who sort of didn't read that properly and maybe were in the US or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, who, you know, we've done our best to, to sort of farm out any roles that we can to people who are remote. Mm-hmm. But um, sort of the core of it has always been uh, here in London. Mm-hmm. And... We, you know, we we then went ahead and and thought, okay, well, let's do some more comics as audio dramas. And I went away and I spent two weeks writing all of our comics, basically, into audio dramas. Um, obviously, Disarmed was not around at that point, so that one that one didn't get included as 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 we spoke about a few minutes ago. But Lacuna was most certainly one of them, mm-hmm. and Lacuna was. One where, you know, we, we, we got some people on board and suddenly I had the chance to work with an absolutely brilliant voice actor, uh, Lawrence Masakowak Simpson. Um, people might know him as the voice of Goku on um, Dragon Ball Z Abridged. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, he's a fantastic guy. He, I've known him for years. He actually edited my very first era of the Consortium Kickstarter video. Uh, because at the time, you know, he wasn't he wasn't the level of fame that he is now. <laughs> and um, you know, he he said, "Yeah, you know what? I'd be up to do to do something." And we managed to get him in, and he came and he played Lacuna. And as I said, I've known Lawrence for years, and when I sit down and listen to Lacuna, I don't hear Lawrence; I hear Lacuna, and I picture Lacuna in my mind. Mm-hmm. That that is how much I think he really captured the essence of that character. And then we had a supporting cast who were just phenomenal. Um, we had Penumbra, played by Molly Corbett. Sorry, I'm bad with names, but uh, I hesitate a moment on that surname. Um, we had Penumbra, and, and Penumbra is a very central character to that comic. You might remember if you if you recall the story of reading it. Uh, oh, and you've obviously listened to it. But 
Penumbra is very, very central to this comic, very important. Um, Lawrence went ahead and played Uncle Joe, personally. Um, we had uh, Lucas for Maniac, who did um, uh, uh, Evgeny, uh, or Comrade Cupcakes, if you prefer, as he is referred to at one point. Um, and, and he, again, did a fantastic job. And just between them all... This this has actually turned out to be one of my favorites of those that we've done because their performances are so real. You know, they they I understand and I visualize this this thing based on the audio. There are even scenes in it that aren't in the comic, and I can visualize them as if they are part of the comic. See, that's funny because I told you before we started recording, mm. when I listened to the audio. When I got done with it, I felt like I had seen the visuals with it. So I, it, it, the the audio is so together and so on the t- on target that I would. By the time I got to the end, I knew in my head what Lacuna looked like and all the characters and the whole setting and stuff like that. It was so well done that I had the visuals supplied by my head as a result of how well it was put together. It's just it's just an amazing, amazing bit of audio. So- I mean, I mean that is an incredible, an incredible complimentary comment, um, and and the only person who really deserves ninety percent of the credit for that is Adam Dergerman. Now, it might surprise you to know, Wayne, that I, you know, Adam when he came on board with this had never done a project like this before. Like he'd done some audio editing. He's primarily a voice actor, and he's an excellent voice actor. And you may remember from Violet, you may remember Rampage, the, mm-hmm. the lizard man. Right. Um, he plays Rampage in our in our Violet audio drama. And he does an amazing job. Like he is absolutely everything you could possibly want. Uh, I know that you will love Violet when you when you hear it, because I know in particular you really enjoyed that story. Mm-hmm. Um But Adam said, you know what? Yeah, I'd I'd love to try my hand at really doing an actual audio drama and learning learning all these skills. And with a little direction from myself. And with a little help from Zulian Joubert, who's our, our head of audio here, mm-hmm. um, you know he he has produced you know as I said ninety percent of the credit for how together the sound is. It belongs to Adam. Um, he's produced an amazing piece of work that really does show you what it's like to live in this universe. You follow Lacuna, uh, Chris, and 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 you're just going. I, I can almost see over his shoulder, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really is, it's, it's so, it's so well done. And, and as I say, the, the credit absolutely belongs primarily to Adam for his work on this. And when you consider that he's never done something like this before, it's doubly incredible. It's amazing. Now, for people who may not know who Lacuna is, why don't you describe who that character is? Sure. Lacuna is one of the first empowered to emerge within the era of the empowered universe. And he has the ability to create portals um, that allow him to translocate quickly. Now, there are various limitations, and and it's worth mentioning Alex Labrum at this point, who was the creator of Lacuna, and then I I sort of picked up the character and adapted it. But Lacuna was a character and and very much looked exactly as he does in these comics Mm -hmm. um, in the first era of the consortium game that we played. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Alex 
came up with all of these ideas, you know, the pipe, the, the, the jumping through the portals, but he also, which is really rare for me in role-playing games, he came up with the limitations that Lacuna exists, you know, has within his powers. So he said, look, um, when you, you know, when he creates a portal higher than the one he's entering, so he's exiting higher, he's basically making energy out of nothing. So he gets a nosebleed, you know, he'll, you know, he'll experience pain as sort of energy is ripped out of him while he's trying to do that. And, and, you know, we even guess in the audio drama, oh, I hate doing that nosebleed every time, you know, kind of thing, as he as he wipes off his nose. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's something that stayed. Um, he prefers making portals on surfaces because it's easier. He, he can do it with either the entry or the exit in midair, but it's much more difficult for him to actually do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this, this player um, actually sat down and said, hey, you know what, um... I want limitations on my character, so I'm not all powerful. And speaking as a perpetual GM, it's nearly always me that has to do that. You know, I normally have to say, okay, well, your limitation is this and your limitation is that. But, um, you know, it really has stuck out in my mind. Um, And in this story, um, he is, uh, it's, it's his very first story. I lie. It's his second story within the canon um, because uh, his first story, actually, he does have... He's one of the few who has an origin story in the actual era of the Empowered Core rulebook. And um, this is not his origin story. We, we actually, we didn't tell that story again. Instead, what we did is we went slightly later. Um, so he's a, you know, he's a vigilante. He fights crime. And he's pretty brutal in the way he does it. Um, you know, he has a metal pole, and he hits people over the head and he, you know, breaks necks and collarbones and shoulders and, you know, caves people's heads in sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, he truly is quite brutal in, in some cases. Mm-hmm. And he's also very inexperienced. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he is, he is, he, he's a teenager. So he thinks he knows everything. And in fact, doesn't know anywhere near as much as he thinks he does. <laughs> but the problem is that he's spending so much time out being a vigilante that his grades are slipping. And, you know, his uncle, his parents died when he was very young. And his uncle is trying to look after him. And he's saying, look, I, I can't cope. You know, it's a very real story in that sense that, you know, this is a this is a single parent who's not even really a parent mm-hmm. who's saying, look, I, I can't cope. And he has these doubts. He's a very human individual is, is uncle Joe. And he says, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm considering sending you to this remedial home for boys. You know, I can, I can just about afford it if I don't, if I do overtime three nights a week, right. Kind of thing. And he's saying, you know, I, I don't want to do this, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm worried that I can't be around enough trying to support you to get your grades back on track. And, and, you know, you, you know, I promised Abby, my sister, that I would raise you, you know, if anything happened to her. And then something happened to her, and I didn't realize what I was getting into. You know, I was only sort of 18, 19, 20 when you were eight, and this happened. And, and you know, he's, he's lost. You know, Uncle Joe doesn't have the answers any more than any other parent does, you know. Mm-hmm. And Lacuna obviously reacts very badly to this. You know, Chris... Uh, you know, he, he just feels like like 
Uncle Joe's giving up on him, and he he just he just decides, yeah, you know, I, I, well, I'm going to go out, and that's when he encounters Penumbra, and Penumbra is almost playful with her powers. You know, she's such a contrast to this very stark, I use my powers to fight crime vigilante. Penumbra's almost playful. Um, you know, she 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 is extremely competent at using her powers and runs circles around Lacuna like he does not stand any chance. If they were to fight, not that they do, but if they were to really fight, he would not stand a chance. Um, not at this stage. And then we're going to skip forward the next time we see him in comics, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But and and the situation's a bit different. But you know, he he encounters Penumbra, and it leaves him thinking. You know, maybe maybe going off on my own is the right answer. And and what teenager hasn't considered that at some point? Mm-hmm. You know, at least in passing. Mm-hmm. And and he thinks maybe going off on my own is is the answer. And he decides that he is in fact going to do it. And I'm going to stop with the spoilers now. You know, that's that's kind of the end of the that's kind of the end of the first half. There's a lot that happens after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he he decides that he is in fact going to go off. You know, Chris Jameson died today. They'll call me Lacuna. Mm-hmm. And you know, from there, you know, we we experience sort of an adventure and and even further doubts. Because again, I think one of the things that characterizes Lacuna for me is an uncertainty around the actions that he's taking. You know, like, he doesn't have this... Violet knows what she needs to do. Blue Shift knows that she can do whatever it is that's necessary. Lacuna, he just kind of wants to. He doesn't have that that confidence in himself that these slightly older characters, you know, not a lot older, you know, five five years older maybe but they've you know they've reached that point where they're living relatively independently anyway more so than lacuna is with with uncle joe and i think that for me that's one of the things that characterizes lacuna he thinks he knows everything mm. but he doesn't really feel like he knows everything and he doesn't really have that certainty within and that's one of the things that i think makes him an interesting character and then when you juxtapose that with Penumbra, who and and Molly did such a great job with Penumbra, you know, I, I I've already talked about how how Lawrence did with with Lacuna, but Molly did such a great job with Penumbra. She is so confident, she is so arrogant, she is so certain of everything that she does. Mm-hmm. To juxtapose that with Lacuna just makes it a really interesting dynamic between those two characters. And it's one that we enjoyed so much that, uh, you know, I've been teasing that crossover to you for years now, mm-hmm. Wayne. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're now, I'm just finishing up page 10 of that crossover. Oh, boy. Uh, the Page 10 of the first issue of that crossover, I should say. Um, we're hoping it'll be three issues. Oh, boy. Um, and Penumbra goes and reaches out to Lacuna again. And, you know, L- Lacuna's response is, you want my help? Well, last time I helped you... I ended up in the hospital for three months. I, I'm thinking, give me a good reason. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 you know, he's not entirely got over the events of, of both this comic and also this, um, uh, this audio drama, which is, is based around the comic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, that is a transformative experience for Chris Jameson, the Kuna. 
that he's going to carry with him right the way through to the end of his storyline. Hmm. I think. Great. Well, that's great. It's going to be fun to read. It's going to be great. Now, is the Lacuna audio, is that, does that have a Kickstarter going forward, or what's the story with that? So by the time that this goes out, it will mm. be. Okay. You won't have seen it yet, because it's actually launching on the 1st of March. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. so with any luck, by the time it goes out, we're actually talking about it's funded. Right, oh, but wow. that's not to say that you shouldn't go and get it because, as you said, you know, you listened to it, you you loved it. If it's funded, that means it's definitely going out to backers. So, to me, that's even more reason you should go. You should go and get hold of that because I'm able to. the The thing is, you know, you pointed out I run a lot of Kickstarters. There's a reason for that because any other platform, you know, Audible, for example, for audio, they take forty percent of what the purchase price is minimum forty right. to sixty percent. Right. Kickstarter takes 10%. Right. That's much the, better. The thing is that where the money goes, it doesn't go in my pocket or, you know, the, there is no corporate person for it to go into. The money on all of our audio dramas gets split between the people who put the work in, right? So Adam will get a massive chunk for his, you know, of whatever profit we make, Adam will get a massive chunk for his work on uh, doing the editing. Um, Molly and Lawrence, the, the the main voice actors, they'll get they'll get a very sizable chunk as well. Um, yes, a little bit will go to me because I've been the director. You know, I've I've I wrote it. Um, you know, so I'll get a, I'll get a little bit as well. But it gets distributed. Sort of each 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 role that is fulfilled by an individual person has a percentage of the profit that's linked to it that everyone who comes into one of these projects and does the work knows about ahead of time. So, you know, we, we say, okay, look, we're, we're going on Kickstarter, we get what we get, and you get X percent of the profit because this is the job that you're doing. Mm. Um, and I, I think that's a fantastic way of doing it, and, and that's why I would encourage anyone who's listening to this who feels like they're a little bit inspired by it, please go check out Lacuna, find out, you know, if it's something you'd like. There are loads of samples uh, that are linked on the Kickstarter. And if you think it's something you'd like, and you think it's something you'd like to hear more of, as you pointed out yourself, Wayne, we we have many comics that we have not yet turned into audio dramas, mm -hmm. and we have a lot of appetite. Um, I actually just had a uh, an email from one of our vo our regular voice actors yesterday asking whether there was there was any more work yet. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, yeah, I like that. You know, yeah. uh, you know I, I I know that this thing's happening. You know, is there anything I can do in the meantime? You know, I'd love to do some more and so on. W Everyone who's involved in this absolutely loves it. And it's not about the money. But for me, it's about making sure that those people who do the work get the money. Mm. Right? And and this isn't about, you know, oh, Ed's going to be super rich from it. I, It's not why I'm a creator. I'd like to be compensated for my time. I will be compensated for my time proportionately to everyone else who put the work in. Mm -hmm. Yes. Beyond that, I'm creating because I love it. And... Anyone who looks at any of our goals, I mean, you look at the disarmed goal and it's £300, everyone knows that you can't make a 22-page comic for £300. Uh, that's, what, $420 or something? Uh, no. Yeah. No. Like, that's not, that's not why we created the comic. That's not why it exists that way. You know, we, we have put our own time and money into this to make it happen. And yeah, we'd we'd like to see a little bit of return on that investment. We'd like to see it go out into the world. We'd like to see people enjoy it. Mm -hmm. 
And the more money that that we can get off the Kickstarter, the more profit that we can pass on to the people who really did make it happen. So support it. Get out there and 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 and, and put your your money where where this is because this is you're going to get a great return for it. It's going to be terrific because every I, you guys haven't done anything that I haven't loved so far. It's just been a you, wonderful. You keep stuff. saying that, and I'm 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 sort of crossing my fingers every time you say it. But you're never going to say anything else. You know, I'm, uh, I'm really like I'm 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 always. So there is some degree to which I, I look at a comic and I go, right, if I put this out, is this going to be the one that Wayne says, you know, <laughs> you know what, I'll be honest, I was a little disappointed in this one. It wasn't up to, no. <laughs> well, I, I, I thought that's going to happen, but we'll see how the thing's going. Now, we should, of course, get to the third one. There's a third uh, Kickstarter that's going to be going on when this is uh, this comes out, right? Uh, there is, yeah. Um, and that is the Era Zone. Okay. Now, this one is more... I'm going to be quite brief on this one. Um, okay. uh, you know, I, people must have, must be getting tired of listening to me by now. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, uh, the Irizone is a, a, a zine. It's part of Zine Quest. So uh, we're recording towards the end of February. This is going to come out a little later. But um, we are... Uh, you know, um, Zine Quest is something that I like to do every year. Um... The Era Zone is my sort of my little contribution to that, which is sort of bringing material for all of the era role-playing games. So any role-playing games fans out there who are listening, um, uh, you know, we have a setting neutral bestiary for sci-fi monsters, because there are so many fantasy, sort of so many fantasy bestiaries out there. And I've never seen a sci-fi one. Hmm. Like, like not like, not like a free one. Right. Hmm. Um, and, and for a while we, we, there are actually 20 entries of this on our Patreon for free. Hmm. So anyone who wants to can go to our Patreon and, 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 and download those for free. They're not part of the charged or, or paywalled material. Uh, you can just go get those if you're a role player who likes sci-fi. Um, and these were written by a molecular biologist, really nice guy, um, who loves sci-fi. And uh, we did a little bit of riffing on the Star Trek, the original series, and, uh, you know, all, all kinds of sort of from, you know, the 1960s view of sci-fi all the way through to kind of the, the very modern, you know what, this is a disease, it does this, it's, you know, um, and, and, and there's a wide variety of things therefore for you to, for you to play with. And then on top of that, you know, if you're, if you're a role player, um, and you're interested in any of the games that run on the era D10 rule set, there's material for every single game in every issue, um, 10 games at the moment. Uh, but when I was running this, this time last year, it was actually eight games. So actually it grew during the year to include some more games. Um, there, uh, you know, we'll do things like sessions or uh, new enemies that you might have, sort of NPCs or monsters or whatever, or we'll do um, maybe even stories like just fiction uh, for the universe, or we'll do a guide to creating a character, you know, within that that's maybe not more in depth, but maybe more specific than what's in the core rulebook, or we'll do, uh, you know, we do stuff like GM toolkits. Okay, so if you're a GM and you want to build a combat scenario, these are the things you need to worry about. And if you're going to tweak your enemies 
to make them more difficult. These stats will make them massively more powerful, and these stats will make them a little bit more powerful, and these are somewhere in the middle. So, you know, be careful what you change because, you know, you might not do a lot or you might do way more than you expected. So it's it's really about trying to give a little more information to the people who want to play the era games, particularly GMs, but it's not unique to GMs. There are new character options, you know, character creation options or equipment that players can use. Um, we did some, uh, we did some empowered power trees, um... Oh, we've done this a few times, actually, where, you know, we, we sort of uh, do power trees that maybe weren't included in the rulebook specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 one of, it's one of those really exciting projects that is what people outside our team make it more than it is what we make it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're aiming for, you know, uh, four issues again this year. The fund goal will be two. That's what we did last year, and it worked very nicely. Um, and then we actually ended up running a second Kickstarter mid-year um, because, obviously, it launched around the time that COVID hit. People were very worried, very short of money, and and, and very concerned uh, in in 2020, uh, sort of February, March 2020. Uh, people were, were a bit concerned. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we ran another one sort of in July, August, and we got a lot of support there, and we were able to up that to four issues. My hope is that we'll just hit four issues outright this time. Um, but that's that's what the Eurozone's all about. I think it's um, it's a fun little project. Um, it produces, you know, you can you can get hold of uh, all of the issues that we produce for for five pounds in digital format. Um, it really is not expensive. We don't want it to be expensive. It's a zine. It's it's supposed to be. I'd almost say cheap and cheerful, but I think that undersells the level of quality that we have that you can see if you scroll down in that Kickstarter. You know, I, I think I think that we deliver a really good quality product, especially for that price. Oh, great. Well, it looks terrific. I mean, what I've seen of it looks just fantastic and stuff. You said something that I, I didn't realize is that you have a Patreon. And so while I was listening, I was able to listen and go out to patreon.com and sign up to be a Patreon because I have oh, not done so that much. for you guys. I haven't done that with you guys. And as much as I enjoy your stuff, I figure I should get on board and put my money where my mouth is and get this that support going. So you got three Kickstarters going on right now as, as this post. And, you know, I have to tell you, Ed, you guys do wonderful stuff. And it's uh, the, the audio dramas get me. The, the only thing that you guys do that I just don't have time for is the gaming. If I was into the gaming, I would, I would love it. But uh, all the stuff that you do, it just has high quality stuff. It, it just makes me so happy to see somebody actually telling stories and enjoying the process. I love that because, you know, I, I, I you and I well know that the cost of doing this stuff is can be prohibitive and that, that you don't let that stop you and you use Kickstarter and other methods available to you like Patreon and do those things to make them happen. I, I just have to support something like that, especially with the, the super level of quality you guys make. So, I, again, people, it's Shades of Vengeance. There's three Kickstarters going on. If you're you're, you're good at this kind of stuff and you love Kickstarter, now's the time to get out and support all three of them. And they're not up right yet. That's why I haven't supported them. At least I think one of them I tried. Uh, and I two of too. them are now up. So oh, they are. Um, when we're talking. So as of, at, well, when we're talking, but they'll all certainly be up by the time um, this posts. Uh, by the time this posts, yeah. So when when I get done talking here, guess where I'm going? I'm going straight to Kickstarter so I can support these things, and I highly encourage you to do the same. 
So, Ed, all I can tell you is, is you're doing wonderful stuff. Now, why don't you, before you, uh, before we go, tell people how they can find out about Shades of Vengeance. Um, so the obvious place is uh, our website, www.shadesofvengeance.com. Um, uh, as, as you've mentioned, Wayne, uh, our Kickstarters are actually a great way. Obviously, on a Kickstarter, you have to express everything about the project. So if, if there's any specific project, you know, if you've listened to me and you want to know more about Lacuna or Violet, um, the thing to do is hop on our, hop on our Kickstarter. Um, in, in Violet's case, it would be, I think that one's SOV Comics offhand. Um, there, there, you know, there are a couple of Kickstarter accounts, so um, I have to double check. Um, but, you know, you can hop on the Kickstarter for that thing and find out all about it. I mean, searching Violet Kickstarter would probably bring it up, I imagine. Um, so, yeah, um, our, our website, our Kickstarters, uh, you can find us on Facebook at Shades of Vengeance, uh, Twitter at Shades underscore of underscore Venge, because unfortunately there's a character limit. Um, Instagram, Shades of Vengeance. Uh, YouTube, Shades of Vengeance. Uh, and, and you know, if, if you're, you know, if you're not into the gaming, but you'd really like to experience some stories like Wayne, um, but you've got a little bit of time, uh, they're actually half hour um, sort of sessions up on YouTube. So, you know, you can sit in, obviously you're not playing, but you can sit in and enjoy those stories that we are telling as a group. Um, you know, there are, there are tons of them um, up there, sort of literally hundreds um of 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 sessions that we've that we've done and recorded and and put up on the youtube for people to enjoy so you can check that out um and and finally we've got a discord link as well i mean i'm not going to read it out on the air um because i think that's probably a bit ridiculous i'm sure everyone knows that those are quite um hard to say shall we say uh, they're just a mixture of letter and numbers but I'll, I'll make sure i give it to wayne so that it can go in the in the, in the notes Okay, sounds good. And Ed, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Always a great time. Time just flies by when I'm talking with you. There's so many good things that we're talking about. But again, get out there and support Shades of Vengeance, the three Kickstarters to, to support. And I'll be heading as soon as I can find them. I get done with the recording. I'm going to be out after the two. And then the third one by the time this posts. So believe me, if you want quality storytelling, this is the place to go. Thank you so much for having me once again. I, I really appreciate it. It's always great being on, uh, uh, be, being on with you, Wayne. Um, I, I mean, as as you said uh, previously, uh, you know, John was the first person that you uh, uh, sort of you met who had listened to your podcast. Yours was the first podcast I started listening to regularly uh, <laughs> after after John put me onto it, um, and it really was like I was kind of a podcast novice and. I just, you know, I, I really, it's, it's such an honor to be on. It really is. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics.
And that's it for this episode. Be back next time. I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator. Something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then, keep reading your comics.